Good morning, Harrow Baptist Church family. I am here in an empty auditorium with Pastor Marty and Tori, and they are making this recording possible. I want to thank them for their efforts in doing that. It is strange in here with just three of us. Uh, we miss you. We miss all of you because this room is quiet and it echoes and it's just different without you here. But as I look around the room, I, I, I can look at the different places and I can see where you sit. And while we miss all of you, we miss you. We miss each of you. And we want you to know that. And we're praying for you. I hope you're well. And uh, I hope you're praying for each other, that you're calling each other, encouraging each other, and serving each other. I've, I've already heard a couple of stories this week of people in the church family sharing resources and looking after each other, meeting needs, and that's fantastic. Keep that going. That's so important during these very strange days that we're walking through. Uh, our plan for the, the near future here, until we're allowed to meet together again, and as soon as we are, we'll be all over that, but until that moment comes, our plan is to produce these videos, these recordings, audio recordings for you, so that you can have a message where we are all together learning the same thing, hearing the same thing from the Lord. Uh, we'll provide these notes that are emailed out to you so that you can follow along and have some discussion questions to talk about as a family and maybe have a prayer time afterwards as you meet together. So we love you, we miss you, and we're praying for you. Uh, on Tuesday night this past week, our pastors and deacons met and spent time together in the Word and in prayer and praying for you and praying for God's leading for us as a church family. And uh, we were in the same passage that we're going to look at this morning, actually. Before we do, before we get into the Word, I'd like to pray with you, and uh, let's just take a few moments and do that now. Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your love for us, and we thank you that we can trust you and that we are safe and secure in your hands. Uh, we pray for our church family today, for those that are quarantined because they've been uh, away traveling and are now home, for those who... Uh, who are facing different illnesses and treatments. Uh, Father, we're praying for those that are still on the road traveling, that you'd bring them back safely to us. Uh, we pray for those that are struggling with, with work right now and, and wondering about uh, finances and provision for their families. Uh, for those that, that are grieving loss, Father, there are so many things on our hearts and minds, and we're grateful we can pour our hearts out to you and join our hearts and our voices together. You know, we just commit these situations to you. We look for your leading, your presence, your strength, your guiding. We pray for our leaders of our nation and, and around the globe, uh, leaders that have a lot of weight on their shoulders right now, a lot of decisions to make that affect a lot of people. Would you give wisdom and guidance, and would you show your hand strong in this situation? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you focused zeroed in unmoving focused on you because he trusts in you are you experiencing this kind of peace today this week in all that's going on? Is this you? Is your mind stayed on God, focused on the Lord? Are you trusting in Him? And as a result, experiencing His peace? I hope that that's you. Peace has been hard to find this week, hasn't it? No matter where we look on the news or whether we're talking to our neighbors, it just doesn't matter. Even in our own hearts at moments, 
peace has been hard to find. Well, this morning I'd like us to look into the Word of God together at an example of a heart that was stayed, focused on God, trusting in God, and the peace that was experienced as a result. There are many examples we could go to, but I'd like you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and I'd like to remind you of a passage we've looked at a couple of times before already as a church family, and I'd like to remind you of something called the you-not prayer, and that'll make sense to you in a few moments. What was going on when we got to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is this. The nation of Israel had divided, and this is a couple of kings later, a couple of generations later, and the southern kingdom, Judah, now had a king named Jehoshaphat. And what was going on was a few other armies, kings, nations were gathering together and they teamed up and they were coming against Judah. They were coming towards Jerusalem. They were gunning for Jehoshaphat and, and they, were, they were on the doorstep. So you can imagine the tension when all this is going on. And this is what we find when we get to verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they're already at En Gedi. Now En Gedi was the best oasis in the Judean desert. It was just south in the hills, the rocks, and the desert, just south of Jerusalem. So you can imagine the tension in that room. As these men come running in and say, uh, Your Highness, Your Majesty, we have three kings, three armies coming against us. We're outnumbered. We're outgunned. Uh, they've joined together. And this isn't a long-term problem. This is right now. They're already here. They're outside of the city, hiding in the hills. We're in trouble here. Could you imagine that moment when everyone in that room stops and turns their head towards the king and all of these eyes focus on Jehoshaphat, and they look at him and say, okay, king, now what? That moment, that moment is when Jehoshaphat felt the weight of leadership, the weight of leadership, just the burden that comes. Have you ever been in that situation? We've seen the weight of leadership, the burden of leadership this week, haven't we? We've seen it on the faces and heard it in the voices of our political leaders, our public health doctors, uh, our business leaders, uh, our bosses as they speak to us at work, uh, our church leaders, even in our families as we look to lead our families, we've seen and heard the burden, the weight of leadership. That moment when everyone you're responsible for looks to you and says, now what? Or that moment where we look to the ones responsible for us and say, now what? On Fifth Avenue in New York City, you'll find the, the General Electric building. And in the General Electric building, one of the things you'll find there is a massive statue of Atlas. Remember him? You have this massive statue of this muscular man, but he's stretched and he's straining and he's bending over under the weight of the world. That's where we get that phrase. The weight of the world is on his shoulders as that globe sits on him. And he's just straining under the pressure, the weight of carrying the whole world on his shoulders. We've got a lot of people in our world feeling like that right now. Some of us may be feeling like that at times during these times. The weight of the world on our shoulders. That's the weight, the burden 
of leadership. Well, I want to tell you this morning, there's a better and a second weight of leadership. This one isn't spelt W-E-I-G-H-T. This one is spelt W-A-I-T. Look at what Jehoshaphat does in that moment. When everything comes crushing down on him and all those eyes turn to him, verse 3 tells us, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat said, I don't know what to do. So together we are going to wait on God. We're going to seek the Lord together. And he called everyone together. And as they gathered together, they came to wait on the Lord. Back to New York City. Across the street from the GE building where we find that big statue of Atlas struggling under the weight of the world, right across the street is St. Patrick's Cathedral. If you were to walk into St. Patrick's Cathedral and go behind the altar, you would find there a small life-size statue of Jesus as a little boy. And in his hand, he's holding the world as if it's nothing, as if it's just a little ball, and he's just holding this thing like this with no strain, no pressure, no sweat, no tension on his face at all. What a difference. What a contrast. My question for you this morning is, which side of the street do you live on? Do you live on the side where you've taken all of this weight on your shoulders or where you're looking to someone else and, and you're expecting all of this to rest on their shoulders to solve this for you? Or do you live on the side of the street where you simply worship at the feet of Jesus who has things well in hand? A life of trust, a life with a mind stayed on the Lord that leads to a life of peace. Which side of the street do you live on? Which side of the street do you lead from? Do you lead your family? Do you lead the people who work under you? Do you lead the people in the church? Do you lead the people in this country? How do you lead? Do you lead as though that weight is on your shoulders? Or do you lead as though you're just bowing at the feet of the one who carries the world in his hand? Not only which side of the street do you live on or lead from, which side are you leading others to? Are you telling others, I've got this, depend on me, come listen to me, I've got the answers? Or are you simply leading people to the side of the street where we say we're kneeling at the feet of Jesus and we're trusting him? That's a great question for days like this. There's the weight of leadership where we're talking about a burden and there's the weight of leadership where we're just kneeling before the Lord seeking him and his direction. Well, this brings us to Jehoshaphat's prayer. The people had all gathered around as entire families and they're waiting there before the king in the temple courts. And he comes and in the presence of all the people, all the other leaders, all the families gathered, King Jehoshaphat turned his head to heaven and he poured out his heart and he prayed the you not prayer. Here it is. Look at verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God, and I want to remind you right there that the word Lord is not capital L and then small lowercase o-r-d, which is a title or a position. The word Lord here is all four capital letters. That means that we're talking about God's personal name. That's how they translated the name Yahweh, Jehovah. God's name. Make no mistake who we're talking about. 
Jehoshaphat called to the true living God, and he said, O Lord God, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the nations, all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Here's the first, you not. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat looks up to the Lord and he says, Are you not God in heaven? Of course you are. Are you not the ruler of the kings of the nations around us? Of course you are. Are you not in control and in, in complete power over the three that are armed and coming right for us now? Of course you are. And there amongst the people, Jehoshaphat reminds his own heart that God is on the throne. God is sovereign over everything. And he reminds the hearts of his people the very same thing. And by pouring out that praise to God and reminding himself and the people of who God is, he sets his heart at ease. He then continues with the second you not. And he says in verse 7, Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend? God, did you not help us before? When we came in here as people that have been living in the desert all those years, and we came against fortified cities with well-established armies, well-equipped armies, and yet you've helped us before. It looked hopeless before, but you've helped us. Did you not? Of course you did. And in praying this prayer, Jehoshaphat is thanking God for what he's done, but he's reminding his own heart and the hearts of the people, look at what God has done. Look at his faithfulness in the past. He has helped us before. Well, then he looks and he finishes this prayer by verses 10 to 12. And join me in verse 12. O our God, here's the third you not, will you not execute judgment on this great horde that's coming against us? Will you not help us now? Of course he will. And by saying, are you not God in heaven, and reminding his own heart and the hearts of the people that God is in control and praising God for who he is, by reminding his own heart and the hearts of the people at what God had done in the past and his faithfulness, did you not help us before? Of course. It helps us when we look back on God's faithfulness to look forward in faith and to look at our current situation in faith and say, God has helped us before. He's still on the throne. He hasn't changed. Will you not help us now? Of course you will. God is not abandoning his people. He is right here. Everything is well in hand, well in his control. I want to encourage your heart with that this morning. And I want you to see the last phrase in this prayer. Jehoshaphat ends his prayer this way. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do next, but we're watching you, we're waiting on you, and we're trusting you. Tell us what to do, and we'll do it. Well, after Jehoshaphat gathered the people and they all waited on the Lord and they were calling out to the Lord together this way, God answered. He gave them direction and they followed. And God gave them a victory that was so clearly not a military victory. It was so clearly God's doing that everyone around had to stop and give God honor and glory for that. And other nations were now afraid of Judah because God had stepped in and fought for them. The unfortunate thing of this event is that the result was not permanent. After a while, these people who had seen God act in this way, their hearts wandered. 
they started trusting in other gods. After a while, even though there were years where the king, the king trusted God, there came a time where his mind was no longer stayed on God, focused on God, trusting in God. There came a time at the end of this chapter, and you can read the rest of this chapter on your own, and you get to the end of this chapter and you find a time where Jehoshaphat said, it's okay, I've got this one. And he struck out on his own, and it was a mess and a disaster. And that is just a reminder to us that this calling out to God for who he is, reminding ourselves of what he's done, and trusting him in faith for today, we need to deal with that one issue at a time. We need to deal with that one decision at a time. We need to stick with that one day at a time, don't we? Encourage one another. Encourage your own heart with this prayer. Encourage those around you and in your home and and those who live near you with this truth. Well, verse 3 tells us, Jehoshaphat was afraid. He set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast in Judah, and all Judah assembled to seek the Lord together. Well, as your pastors and as your deacons, we're doing a similar thing. We're calling our Harrow Baptist Church family to come together to seek the Lord. Now, we can't meet together physically, but we can pray together. We can pray together, and we can encourage each other in the process and remind ourselves of these truths in the process as we join our hearts and our voices in calling out to God for His presence, His power, His leading, His direction, His provision, His protection in this situation. So let's do that together. Let's seek his face together. Let's humbly say, Lord, are you not God in heaven? Maybe you want to take some time as a family even now and just talk about who is God. Describe him to one another. Remind each other of who he is and then take a few moments of prayer and just praise him for who he is. Maybe you want to continue that prayer and say, have you not helped us in the past? Take a few moments and list some ways God has helped you. God has answered prayer for your family or for our church family. We didn't know what to do and God made the way clear. We, We didn't have what we needed and God made provision. We were in a desperate situation and God stepped in and helped. Recount those things. Remind each other of God's faithfulness. And then together, together, pour your hearts out in trust to the Lord and say, will you not help us now? Of course you will and we're depending on you. I can't guarantee you this morning an instant solution or even that we're guaranteed some kind of protection. I can't do that. But I can tell you this, that Isaiah 26, where we began this morning, says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. The Lord God is an everlasting rock. All four capital letters, the same God Jehoshaphat called out to, the same God you and I call out to. Walk through this process together, praying to the Lord every step of the way with our minds stayed on Him. Repeat the you not prayer to each other and with each other. And we'll know His peace now, here, even dealing with all of this. You, we, me, we don't have to live like Atlas. So let's cross the street and let's live on the side of the street where we're just trusting at the feet of Jesus 
bowing before the one who has the whole thing in his hands. He's got you. He's got us. He's got this. Father, we thank you that we can trust you. Even with these these global issues, these incredible issues that just sweep our world and have everyone so concerned, everyone at risk. We're grateful that you've got this all under control. We're grateful that you control this tiny unseen virus that we can't see with the naked eye and yet you control even that. We thank you for who you are. We love you. We trust you. We thank you for calling us to forgiveness and life in Jesus Christ. We thank you for making us your children and placing us in your family and placing us in this church family. Help us together to trust you well, to keep our hearts and our minds stayed on you and to encourage each other in the process. We pray for our leaders. Oh, give them wisdom. Would you lead them to this posture before you that would even bring them peace? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you may want to take some time now to go through some of the discussion and reflection questions that we've provided for you. Think about this process this together. Spend some time praying together, praying for each other, and praying for our church family. Love each other, care for each other, and we look forward to connecting with you this way again next week.